0: The video store. My name is Sam Mulberry, and we are back again this week to talk about the 2016 documentary film "Life Animated." So let's step into the video store to talk to Barrett Fisher. Barrett, how's it going?
1: It's going well, thanks, Sam.
0: Um, this was really delightful to uh, to watch uh, again. I love when you recommend something I haven't seen. This is the most recent thing that we have uh, we've watched um, in these 13 episodes. Um, So I want to start with a question that I I feel like I ask you every week, but I I don't want to ask what your history with this film is because there's not a lot of time for that history to have happened, or at least I don't want to start with that question, but I want to ask you instead, what is your history with Disney films or films from your childhood?
1: Uh, Disney, yeah, and those would be Disney films. Uh, I think the only films we saw when I was a child were Disney films, Uh, and of course I grew up in that era when the only way to see a movie was either to watch it on TV or go to a theater. And, um, the release of Disney films were always highly anticipated in my house, household because, uh, that was the one film that I knew my parents would take us to. Uh, we occasionally went to a few other films along the way. I remember seeing the original Dr. Doolittle with Rex Harrison and for some reason, True Grit, uh, the original True Grit, I think, cause I was a Glenn Campbell fan. Um, but no, otherwise it, it it was always, it was always Disney, um, and uh, I particularly remember uh, being very disappointed when we went to see uh, The Fox and the Hound, because, um, not because of the quality of the film, but because for some reason we had guests at the house that day. And my father was being particularly uncooperative about leaving on time to get up to the theater. And then he took what I thought was a bizarrely roundabout route. I feel like it was some kind of passive aggressive, aggression, aggressiveness. And then we got to the film like 10 minutes late, and I've still never seen the opening of the Fox and the Hound. So, <laughs> so there's a little it, bit of childhood trauma mixed in there for you.
0: It's very funny that you mentioned Fox and the Hound because that's one of my earliest movie memories is going to see Fox and the Hound. Um and I mean I but I remember it's early enough where I remember going to see it, but I don't remember. I remember having, being confused about how to process it. Like, but like I was old enough to know I didn't understand everything that I saw, but it was a big deal to have seen it. Um, did you, do you have, do you have uh, Disney films that stand out to you as like, oh, this was particularly, either I really like this or this was particularly meaningful to me?
1: I don't know if there's anything, any that have been particularly meaningful to me. Um, I remember uh, really liking the the, uh, the live action films with um, uh, like the ghost of Mr. Chicken uh mm-hmm. with with uh, uh Don, Don Knotts. yeah Don not for some reason that wouldn't have made a big impression on me and then uh an early one with uh kurt russell the computer wore tennis shoes um and then uh so, so i think the live action ones actually had more of an impact on me uh shaggy da uh as well so those kind of classic 60s uh sure. live films yeah
0: sure and i and as a as a child of the 80s and the uh, vhs era like um i i am closer in age to uh, Owen suskind where um these things were not as readily available as they are now in the world of disney plus but they were far more readily available and i lived in a world where you could um watch something over and over again you could rent it and watch it three times in a day if you wanted as a K-50, if you could get away from your parents enough so they didn't realize you were watching a movie three times in the same day um, but those types of things happen my all-time favorite um, disney movie is the i think it's 1972 uh the disney's robin hood the animated robin hood with the fox i don't i can't explain it but that is a that movie hit me at an impressionable age and that shapes the the way I think about heroism, I think the way I think about just lots of things like, like there, I feel like it created a, it like coded a kind of iconography in my head. Um, and it's, uh, it's still my favorite Disney movie to watch. Plus they're, they're so efficient back then. It's like an 85 minute movie (laughs) and so much happens in that time. So, uh, so, um, Uh, So maybe I want to start, as we get into Life Animated, I want to start by asking you, uh, what specifically drew you to this film for us to talk about?
1: Uh, Well, a couple of things. I think just in terms of the arc that we've been following lately, I felt we needed something uh, a little more on the uplifting side. Um, I also thought thought that it might be a film that a lot of people, uh, you included, might not necessarily have seen or heard of. Uh, and it's also a film that I think it's pretty hard uh, not to respond positively to. Um, I also wanted a film that everybody could watch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, you know, those those are my main reasons.
0: Yeah, it was interesting reading, you know, after watching it, you know, and then I go went and read reviews and read sort of, you know, kind of aggregation of reviews. And it's sort of like it's kind of hard to f- even the bad reviews are pretty good you yeah. know where people are like well it doesn't they don't address you know corporate disney this is like yeah but that's not really what this is about and you know so so uh so in that way i think i imagine making this the filmmaker sort of felt like well at least people aren't gonna dislike it right. <laughs> you know because Owen at the center is such a uh a sort of powerful story and and winning character really like mm-hmm. like it's it's a um uh a triumphant movie both in his backstory which we get uh through the uh both home movie footage through his family but also through the animated sequences mm-hmm. um, he's triumphant in that story but also in the sort of the what is the contemporary owen um you know uh triumphant in an everyday life sort of way yeah, exactly yeah. um So uh, one of the things that I I thought uh, as I was watching this is how different it is watching this movie as a parent, Mm -hmm. Um, you Mm -hmm. know, because so much of this, it's Owen's story. But, I mean, this is based on a book by Owen's father, who's a Mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Um, and the parents really are central figures and parents and the brother are really central figures in mm-hmm. it as well so i was sort of curious um your your children are older than mine um so 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 maybe uh, and probably i'm guessing your kids are are they late 20s uh
1: or actually my son just turned 35
0: oh my goodness okay
1: <laughs> uh, so how, how does how does this
0: film play play to you as someone who's a parent especially as a parent of, of older children
1: yeah well, I mean, it, it, I, there's a couple of different ways in which you, in, in which it, it, it plays to that, and and one is kind of the the anxiety expressed by Walt at one point that Owen will never be um will, will will Owen ever be fully independent, uh and and what and what actually happens you know when his parents are gone, so I think that one of the so I, I look at both of my children right now and I think yeah I think I really am finally an empty nester um. My son's come back a number of times, <laughs> um, and and then he keeps re, he keeps relaunching, and he's been successful, but he likes to try new things, and then he kind of comes back to the nest for a while, and then off he goes again. So I I, I sort of hope we're we're done with that, um, but but I can. I, I can continue to, to to remember that kind of anxiety over, you know, is is he actually going to make it without us? And I feel like both of my kids are going to. And so, you know, looking at the Suskinds as parents and realizing that that's a, a really kind of a heightened, obviously a heightened anxiety for them.
0: Yeah. And I'm sort of at a, I'm at a different place in parenting. My son um, this week turned 15, my oldest, <laughs> um, and my daughter just turned 13. Um, so they're, on the cusp of starting to do, I mean, you know, I, I think about I do a lot of um, admissions events here at Bethel, and I think like, man, next year my son would be invited to, you know, as somebody going into his junior year, you know, next summer would be invited to admissions events at a place like Bethel. So I'm thinking about that sort of the the very beginnings of that. And I'm also thinking about as uh, a really powerful moment in the film, and it become and it's really a theme for the um, the contemporary Owen. Is the, the, the idea of being afraid to grow up, mm-hmm. you know, being afraid to sort of let go of childhood. And, you know, and I think about, you know, my kids, 13, 15, you know, and they they sort of, it's funny because so, at some points in the day, they seem so old to me. And they'll you know, my son will tell me about news that's happening in the world that he's encountered before I have. So I'm, I'm, I'm living in that, but then I'm also living in a world where he's still, he's still a kid. You know, and so and so, like like, I can see them wrestling with the like. To what degree should I be trying to do this independently, or so? What to what degree is it okay for you to you as my parent to do mm. this for me? Mm. Um. So so, I feel like this this hit me in a particular kind of way. Um. To sort of think about uh think about processing that. Um. This is also the the first scenes that jumped out at me, uh both in terms of the the filmmaking but also sort of powerful imagery um were the scenes where and i don't know exactly how they shot this or how authentic this is but with the scenes of owen watching movies Mm -hmm. where where the camera i mean i don't know if they if they rigged up a teleprompter so he could actually watch the movie and they could get him staring down the barrel, or if they mm-hmm. got him to act out watching it that I'm not quite sure <laughs> documentarized, but, but those are, those are scenes that jumped out at me as they seemed very genuine in terms mm-hmm. of him, you know, in the same way, like I love 4th of July is coming up whenever I at an event where there's fireworks, mm-hmm. I will always stop watching the fireworks. And instead I will watch the faces of the people watching the fireworks. Cause that's mm-hmm. way more interesting. Um, this i there's there's a series of scenes in this where you're watching owen watch the movies watching him live out the movies and process the movies as they're happening as he's staring down the barrel of the camera um and i i thought those were particularly powerful scenes and they made me think about um this as a movie also as a movie about watching movies and there's there's a long history of movies about making movies but also movies about watching movies yes um, so I was wondering if that if if that brought any other things to mind as you were thinking about those scenes in particular.
1: Well, I, you know one, one of the things i I was thinking about that too, Sam, is that as I was watching him watch and wondering how exactly they had staged that. Um, and I think that there is a quality often about um autistic folks that there there is in fact a a, a lack of self-consciousness. um and so because originally I thought, well, let's this is a pretty intimate moment because Owen's grimacing and, and doing the dialogue and his funny voices. And, uh, and I thought, you know, but Owen is, I think, fairly unselfconscious about that. I think that's kind of that's kind of OK with him. So I, I was impressed by I mean, anytime you're watching a documentary, right, there's always these moments when you kind of step back and say, wait a minute, this intimate thing is happening and there's a camera there. Right. um and, and and there's even moments where like when his parents come in, when his parents come visit his uh, his apartment for the first time, I found myself for some reason in that scene wondering, has this been staged I mean is this really the first time they they've they walked into this apartment even if it's their first visit so so there were those moments where when I'm watching them watching in a sense, I kind of felt I feel taken out of the world at least at least temporarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, although I, I, like you said, I do think with Owen, if, 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 the, if there is some artifice to that, it sure seems really genuine, oh, yeah. you know? Um, And, and, and yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it made me wonder, can you think of other films that are films about watching films? I mean, I, I, I thought of, um, uh, I remember when I took a film class here at Bethel, we watched, um, What's it called? Cinema Paradiso, you know, which is in in lots of ways has like really great, really great um, shots of people watching films and especially the kid in the projectionist booth watching the film. It made me think of that, you know, it's a a very different kind of scene, but, but that idea of, of sort of what is, how the film is transforming the face that I'm looking
1: at. Yeah, that's, you know, that's actually, that's actually, yeah, that's a really good example. Um. While it's coming to mind at the moment, I'll probably think of ten things after we're done. But I'm—I'm just—it's not really a film about watching films, but the—the the Purple Rose of Cairo, um, you know, the the Woody Allen film, which you know, the character literally comes off the screen and in, in into the into the world. That's a little bit different from what you're talking about, though. Cinema Paradiso is—that's probably one of the best examples I can think of actually of that sort of love affair with film.
0: Yeah. So as you think about um, this uh let's talk about the 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 part of the story which is looking at kind of owen's um life kind of before the filmmakers are involved so that the um, technique of using kind of literally animating owen's life um and then some of I think, you know, I just wrote down some of the sort of moments in his life as well. So, uh, first off, just talking about this idea of kind of the, the land of the sidekicks, this yes. story that runs along, that sort of runs through this story, um, which is something that Owen, it comes from, from sketches that he had been doing. And then it seems to be a story that he's written as well. Is mm-hmm. that your sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, uh, it was interesting to think, you know, why he would relate to the sidekicks. I mean, he talks about, you know, wanting to be the protector of the sidekicks and things like that. But, um, do you think he sees himself as a sidekick and a sidekick (laughs) to who, I mean, that was my sense is like, it's not like he's second fiddle to someone unless, because it it doesn't definitely doesn't set up Walt and Owen as like, Owen is Walt's sidekick. I, I mean, that may be the case, but it definitely doesn't, uh, doesn't seem like that
1: well you know i think it's 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 one of the one of the several ways in which he uses the films to kind of deal with the reality of his life right so the the sidekick thing happens when he's being bullied in school and he's having he's having a hard time uh and he can't see himself as heroic um and and i think he he, he of all the of all the disney characters seem like iago as a sidekick was the one that he kind of kept gravit gravitating towards um and what I find interesting about that is that he turns the role of sidekick into the role of hero. So he assembles all these sidekicks because that's who, that's who he identifies with. And it's interesting, even the, even the word sidekick is is, is kind of an, an, an interesting way to to describe the character. Um, but then he's able to cast himself as as the hero because he's going to rescue this. He's going to rescue the sidekicks. And what what and what I find really interesting about that is that. He doesn't just—it's uh, not just a case of echolalia, as as one of the doctors said, where he's just mimicking or echoing what he sees. He actually becomes creative through through the through the use of those characters and the use of those of those stories. He invents his own villain, uh, and and he overcomes that that villain. So that was what I found most interesting is he took the role of sidekick and he transforms it into the role of hero. Mm-hmm.
0: And and you know in 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 the first moment we have of him drawing from the and from this uh, and I actually love the way this plays out in the film where it's him repeating just your voice, which yeah. is t- almost too good to be true in terms of the story. I mean, this is a a child who literally stopped talking at three, and then the first thing that 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 his parents discover him saying is just your voice, and this becomes the beginning of his voice coming out and you know giving voice to the sidekicks give it you know like 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 that's um that's such a, it, it's one of those where if it if i didn't have the part of the story where the parents were, were went to the we're talking about going to the doctor and the doctor saying i know this sounds like this amazing you know um uh moment but just know he could just be repeating this and then it turns out actually it actually might be really meaningful that 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 was the particular thing. Like, like, I feel like the way that part of the story was told was, was, um, was pretty great because even at that moment I thought, yeah, maybe that's just random, but then, Mm -hmm. but then it leads you to think maybe he, maybe that whole time he's searching for a way, a way to come out of this, you know, in in a kind of way. Um, I also was, uh, Loved the scenes, and this maybe goes back to uh, to watching movies of the the Disney Club that uh, that he starts at his his school or the yeah yeah um and you see there there's a, a couple different scenes of that and you know you both get to see lots of faces watching and processing these movies and then actually get to see a you know get to see a film discussion right about <laughs> kind of what's happening in this scene and I even love the idea that they're watching scenes from the movie and say okay let's talk about this scene now.
1: Yeah, and and I I thought they actually had some really interesting insights, and uh, uh, and it 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 made me think about you know when Owen makes makes his speech later in France, and he says that you know people have this false understanding of those with autism, and they don't want to be around other people, and he says they do. We just don't know exactly how to do that, and so it's so to me that was the other you know it's interesting that he uses the film as a way to. befriend people and to open up social social connections so it isn't just it isn't just what happens in his head but he really wants to be able to share it and talk talk about it with other people
0: um another uh character that i thought uh was like i i i sort of just kind of wanted to keep seeing more of and maybe this is um an entry character into this as well is the character of walt mm. um i mean there's the there's the scene where he talks about, like, you know, what's going to happen when my parents die and, and and he doesn't flat out say this, but sort of, you know, to what degree does Owen become my responsibility versus to what degree? I mean, it's what he's saying, right? Versus right. what degree is he going to be independent? But also then watching him um, interact with Owen in terms of, you know. Uh, <laughs> really having a, a, having a, a version of like a sex talk with him, you know, um, was fascinating, you know, uh, to, to be like, okay, well, I know the responsible thing is somebody needs to have this conversation with him. And it's funny because he's, he's processing, like, how do I explain to somebody who only not who only, but who primarily uses Disney movies to like understand and interpret the world about things that those movies aren't explicit about
1: they're probably not the best guide to adult life
0: (laughs) right right um you know to the the point where where when he's talking about about kissing and he's like well people kiss with their lips but they also kiss with and owen says their feelings and he's like yes Uh, (laughs) um it's it's a really powerful thing but but like i found i found uh walt really um just, just like like, like a, a really moving character to think about the fact that because this is a documentary, you know, we talked um, in our, in when we talked about our first movie, uh, when we talked about Groundhog Day. I said, well, you know, what happens February 3rd? And we can talk about that in a theoretical fictional way in that movie. But like the Owen Suskin story and the Walt Suskin story are still going. I mean, yeah. we're no longer watching it. And, you know, this is maybe something to think about with a documentary film too, is, is like we see these stories framed in a particular way, but these aren't fictional characters who live within that frame, but you know, like, like what does the, what does the next, you know, the, the, the next few years of Owen's life look like and the next few years of Walt's life look like to what degree is, does, you know, is he connected?
1: What, to, what the to things struck me about the relationship, um, Sam, is that, you know, often when a family has a special needs child, the other child or other children end up feeling somewhat neglected and resentful. Um, and obviously something must have happened um that was that was healthy in that household, in that you know, Walt does not at least he does not appear to have any resentment towards Owen. He he, he appears to be truly solicitous towards him and really wants to have a relationship with him. And to me, that's that's remarkable. That that didn't necessarily have to turn out that way. It could have been very different.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any history yourself with, you know, working with people with disabilities, um, things like this? I mean, do you come to this movie with, with any of that?
1: Well, a, a, a little bit. Um, for a number of years, uh, when Amy and I first moved to Minnesota, we were actually respite foster care parents. So uh, folks, uh, families that had special needs children would leave their children with us for usually a weekend. Sometimes it was, uh, sometimes it was as long as a week. And, uh, the most frequent uh, child we took care of was uh, a little boy named Tony with Down syndrome. Uh, and I think we probably took care of Tony for at least about a year or, or, or a year and a half. Um, so that was an that was interesting experience for us and for our children as well, uh, to have these, uh, these kids as part of our family. So, um, and we also, we were in the church with some folks that had a child with autism. Um, but I would say that the experience with Tony and Down syndrome is probably our closest connection.
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting watching this movie because um, both of my parents, they're, they're now retired, but they spent their entire careers um, working in, first, the Minnesota State Hospital system, um, and then uh, working, my mom then moved to become a teacher at the Academy for the Blind, but worked with students with multiple disabilities, and um, and my dad worked at the Academy for the Deaf and in the Academy for the Blind as well. So, um, uh, I, I saw a lot of my um, my mom, especially in this sort of like the you know how do we, um, especially thinking about the, this transition that Owen's going through to like okay we're, we you're moving from living at the the one school you're at where there where it seems like things are a lot more. Um, supervised to this more independent living facility, you know, assisted living, but it, but at more independent living facility, um, and thinking a lot about those transitions and how do you prepare people for that. And I actually spent, um, my summers when I was in college, I worked, uh, basically at a, a cross between a summer camp and a, um, independent living program for, um, students who were blind, but also had other disabilities as well. And, um. The main, the main job, I I was a house parent. So the main job I had, these, these students would go and work with a job coach during the day. And then in the evening, they would be at home and I would be working with them on independent living things. So, you know, helping them think through how do you make a grocery list? How do you make a meal? Things like that. So it was really interesting to see. I mean, Owen is a, is a a very uh, relative to the students I was working with is a very high functioning, Mm -hmm. um, high functioning. Uh, person, but it, but it was, it was, it was really fascinating to see this and kind of remember some of the students that I worked with and the, the, the dignity in finding those places where um, you can step away and they can, they can do things, start to do things on their own. And the, and, and it made me appreciate how difficult um, this must be for the parents to, I mean, they lived 75 minutes away from where his new living situation was and this idea of, I thought about this when they left the apartment for the first time they left Owen's apartment. And it's like, I just know that kind of know that feeling of, I hope this goes okay. You know, um, with all the things that that must've been going through their head.
1: We had a little, a little taste of that, um, vicariously about, um, the difficulty of, um, raising an autistic child. My wife's best friend from high school, uh, she and her husband, their, um, their first child born in the late eighties, uh, is extremely high functioning autistic. Uh, he actually has a doctorate in uh, mathematics hmm. and does live independently. But when he was first born, this is the late '80s, people still weren't making that diagnosis very readily, and um, it was awful for them until they got the diagnosis, and then they at least knew, you know, what they were what they were dealing with. Um, and it turns out that, as I said, he ended up being quite high functioning. But we were visiting them at the time when they hadn't yet gotten the diagnosis, and they couldn't figure out. What was going on, and her mother said they were terrible parents because the child was acting so badly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I it it, it there, there's a, a line in the film which, um, Owen's mother says, but I think she's quoting Owen's father, and it may be from it's probably from the book. Um, because whenever I see this in print, it's always attributed to Owen's father, um, and it makes me think of my the work my mom did a lot. Um, which is, you know, who gets to decide what Mm -hmm. constitutes a meaningful life? You know, like, like, um, and that, uh, I think that's really interesting because we get to see Owen, we get to see him go to France and make this speech. And like, that's like a, uh, a special kind of, I mean, that, that, that's a, not every person period is going to go get asked to go do that. Um, but it's, you know, that's sort of a, a special highlight moment in his life, but, you know, his life has meaning, um, in, in, that wasn't his life didn't have meaning because he went and talked at that his life had meaning the whole time yeah um now one of the other things that i really uh, really liked about this film in terms of um the thing owen said about you know um people think people with autism don't want to be around other people so basically like they think they're different but in reality we're the same we just struggle with understanding how to do that Mm. is you see him um throughout the film but at the end towards the, the the latter half of the film dealing with two things as a 23 year old that anyone would mm-hmm. would struggle with and actually his reactions to them are man, the same as mine would have been or were Mm -hmm. at times like this. So, so those two things are having to make a big speech in front of people. Mm -hmm. And he's like, right. He's writing and he's, he's both worried and scared about it. And even like frustrated with, you get to see him in his writing process a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And I read that as I read that scene as like, not, Oh, look at how hard this is for Owen. But like, Oh, this is hard for, like I just thought it was like, yeah, that would be me too. If I had to go do this. And even when he, gets up to the podium and there's this long pause before he begins. And I was wondering, is it because he's nervous? And I think, I, if I'm projecting myself into that, it's like, oh, it's because his opening lines are in French. And I remember whenever I've been to France with students, I know the words I'm supposed to say in French, but once I'm about to say them, I, I, I do freeze up. I'm like, how do I make sure I pronounce this correctly? Or am I saying the right thing? Cause, because once he goes into English, it's like that all goes away, you know? <laughs> Uh, And then the second bigger one, which is a bigger theme in the movie, is um, dealing with uh, his relationship with Emily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was struck by how relatable his responses were to that. Like, it didn't seem like, wow, Owen's really taking this strange. It feels like, no, Owen's taking this like a a college student who was in his first meaningful relationship and uh, it ended in a way he didn't didn't want to and and he owen might externalize those feelings a little more mm-hmm, but those mm-hmm. feelings are the same
1: yes he says and, and that's exactly right Sam. and that's one of the things i was thinking about the film is that one of the ways in which owen is a relatable character is there is so much of what he's going through is what everybody goes through um i mean i, I especially when i was at, when, when you're when you're younger and you're first having relationships like that the the feelings are very intense Um, and as you say, the difference with Owen is maybe he externalizes a little bit more, but you know, why is life so full of unfair pain and tragedy? I mean, that's a, that's a big question we all ask.
0: And even when he says, so it's just going to be like this forever," forever. And it's, and, and, and that's, you see his parents who are much older saying, no, it's not forever. It's just for now. But if you were talking to any 23 year old who, who had a relationship like that, that ended. They would, their feeling at least internally is this is just forever now. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 so, so he actually gives, gives voice back to just your voice, mm-hmm. gives voice to the feeling rather than having somebody have to kind of interpret that feeling in
1: him. Yeah. And and, and and in a way, that's the part of, of, of his autism that makes him easier to deal with because you don't have to wonder what he's thinking. Cause mm-hmm. he'll tell you exactly, exactly what he, what, he, what he's thinking. Um, right. And he puts, he puts it right out there.
0: And not only that, and maybe this even goes back to the sidekick thing and thinking about Walt, but the second, it's not the second thing he says, but one of the second things we hear him, and well, it might actually be the second thing that, that he says is when he goes after Walt's like 10th birthday and goes to his parents and says, oh, yeah. Walt well, is afraid yeah. to grow up. Yep. So it's like, it's like he is feeling what Walt's feeling in the same way he's feeling what a Disney character is feeling. And he's saying, I'm going to express this. That's something I promise you, Walt could not have expressed at that time, but Owen was able to express it. And that's kind of amazing.
1: You know, this, this makes me think Sam, there's a, um, there's a feature film called keep the change from 2017 that actually features not only autistic characters, but autistic actors. Hmm. And it's really interesting because at one point there's this one, uh, one woman whose interest she, they're in a, they're, they're attending this class together where she's supposed to be learning some social skills and every time the male character is uncooperative the female character is completely has no difficulty at all saying you are not being you are not cooperating with me right now you are making it very difficult for us to achieve this goal and I'm like wow what if all relationships were that upfront <laughs> right right. um
0: Uh, Just one other scene that I really, I really loved in this. um, And this is a little bit of um, not artifice because it existed, but like, I'm sure it doesn't hurt that the cameras were there, but it's in the last Disney club meeting when uh, Jonathan Freeman is there and he's reading the part of Jafar and then Gilbert Gottfried comes in and it's like this, it's just this, like, it was fun to see. It's always fun to see people's reactions when this, surprising thing that they're really excited about happens and he actually seeing owen uh as as uh gilbert is is writing an autograph and owen is kind of talking to himself and he's like i can't believe this this is the best thing you know it's sort of it's he's sort of saying it in the background but um how great for gilbert god i don't know if anybody's ever been that excited to see gilbert godfrey but like yeah it's just like it's great like like that was just a kind of a wonderful moment although it did feel a little bit like well we're filming this documentary i wonder if we could pull some strings and get you know this person to come or things like that, but even so, it was still great.
1: But but also the scene in mind of the uh, one of the lessons in the film Ordinary People, where uh, you know the uh, the the uh, the brother has survived uh, the drowning death of his older brother, and so he he responds by trying to deaden all of his emotions, right? And he talks to the therapist, and the therapist says, "Well, you know, you deaden your emotions, so maybe you don't want to feel pain, but then you're not going to want to feel joy." And so one of the things I love about Owen is yes there are those moments of pain but also the, his moments of joy are so intense mm-hmm. um, and not to romanticize it but at the same time again it's one of those things where um, maybe you know there's questions maybe differences of degree but not differences of kind in how Owen uh, experiences the world and how uh, we experience the world in a lot in a lot of cases mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and it makes me think there's also thinking about sort of uh, how we interact with each other and how, you know, for someone like Owen, that might be a little more difficult. It's interesting if you watch the movie, you can also see the members of Owen's family realizing it's not just that Owen needs to learn how to interact with the world, but they need to learn how to interact with Owen's world. Like there, yeah. there's, there's, there's a different way that they talk with him and it doesn't. You can read it one way as like a manipulative kind of question asking to try to get him, or but it's also sort of like, how can we get in and 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 meet you there too? Like like there, there's a lot of questions where they're um, asking about, and and maybe this is just because I am from a family where we don't talk about how we feel that much, but there's a lot of questions about how do you feel about this? But then I know, and I first I was like, wow, they're really leaning into that when they talk with him. But then there's a moment at um at Walt's 26th birthday where they asked the exact same questions to Walt then. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we're going to ask Owen that, but then we're going to ask Owen or Walt, how does it feel? Or how did it feel when you turned 23? And, and I realized like, well, this is, they're actually like teaching each other. Here's how we can also collectively communicate. I probably have a lot I can learn from that.
1: Well, that that also makes me realize that one of the things I enjoy, one of the things I appreciated about not only the family, but also the professionals that, that uh, they dealt with is, um, I felt that people were being solicitous of Owen, but I never, I never felt like he was being condescended to. Mm-hmm. I feel like they they treated him as a as the young adult that he is and helping him become that young adult. So, you know, Chris, I realized it's, it's a documentary, so they can choose what to put in and what not to put in. Sure. But you know, I was I was impressed, especially by the um the, the social worker. Uh, I forget exactly the the, the title, the therapist title, but the one that was kind of helping him navigate a conversation. Yes. And, you know, I, I thought she, she just did a really marvelous job.
0: Barrett, I'm going to tell you, I learned stuff from that. Like, like it was, that's an activity I think I could learn from of like, mm-hmm. someone's going to say something. Now you say a relatable thing. It's not a question. Cause like, cause oh. I, cause I think with whatever degree of like social anxiety I have, I tend to do like, okay, what I'm going to do then is I'm just going to interview the person in just in a conversation because it's like, that will let the time pass. But like yeah. I realized that, like, oh, what if I instead said all, like, ask questions, but also said relatable things to what that other person said? So it made me realize I have work to do on myself too, in well, terms I, of I, even I, those kind of social interactions.
1: Yeah, I, I remember saying to my mom when I was like ten or eleven, I said, I, "How how do I have a conversation?" And I said, "Like a book I can read. I I just don't know how to how to keep a conversation going." You know. So again, we we can all relate to this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I really really enjoyed uh enjoyed this film and again there are definitely moments that are going to stick with me and what's interesting is i feel like the the disney film thing is very real to this film and but it's also sort of a hook and it's like well how do we tell a story it's like well this will this will actually get people to think about this but i don't know that that's even the stuff i'm gonna most remember or take away from this film is the like the the, the disney part of it Mm-hmm. You know, I I I think it it really it's a lot. It ends up being a lot more about to me about the f- the family dynamic and like you said, you know, thinking about um, uh, think about Owen's story and the things that he has to say and how that helps me understand other people.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, g- g- given the fact that um, I don't necessarily think of Disney films as uh, as the, the the greatest sources of wisdom or insight. One of the things I thought about was that um, because in some ways, especially in the animated films, the emotions are so strong and some of the ethical ideas are so basic, you know, loyalty, friendship, betrayal, um, in a way, it makes sense that it's much easier for somebody like Owen to kind of begin to understand or interpret those things because they're they're, they're exaggerated in a sense. And, and Connor talks about her, her method in, uh, in one of her essays. And she says, for the, to the hard of hearing you shout, and for the almost blind, you draw large and startling figures. And I was thinking that's the way the Disney films function, right? They shout at you, they draw large and startling figures, but they make an impression. Um, and then, but the other, the other reason I can, can sort of like forgive the Disney films is because they also, as we were saying earlier, they become launching pads. Uh, they become templates for him, but then he begins to, to make his own story and also begins to recognize where maybe the movies end and you have to navigate it differently.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to say about this movie?
1: Um, I was also going to say that to, to, to make one more connection between us and Owen. Um, I, I don't think that he's unique in really resisting this idea of growing up. Right. Um, you know, or or I think we all have different attitudes towards life stages, uh, and 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 I think there are way uh, there are places we want to stay in, um, and there's places we would like to move on, move on from. So Owen, you know, finally coming to grips with the idea that he he's not Peter Pan, he's not Mowgli, he can't stay there forever. Um, but then when he's in the midst of his sadness over Emily, now now he wants to move. Now he wants to move on. You know, now now he's. So I think, as you said earlier, I think that we all can relate to those sorts of sorts of emotions.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think you uh, you picked a winner here. Uh, what do you want to watch next week?
1: All right. So I said when we started this, I had a kind of a two part scheme. Okay. So what I want to watch next week is Persepolis. Oh. Um, and I, for those who don't know Persepolis, it's it's a two thousand seven film, um, based on a autobiographical graphic novel. So my little, what I think is my, my little clever joke here is this is truly a life animated film. Cause I want, I wanted to follow up this film with something that, that talked, that showed how, um, the film itself can kind of embody autobiography. So, um, that's, that's what's on for, for next time. And the, uh, I, one of the things I enjoy about it is the art. I'm not a big graphic novel fan. I've read some, but the art of the film is the same as the art of the graphic novel, so.
0: Well, uh, I am excited about this because I have both seen this, but one thing about films that I haven't talked about on here yet is I have this um, really bad uh, habit, not habit, it's just my life that, Um, if my wife and I start a movie after eight p.m., there's no way I'm making it to the end. So I think I've only seen the beginning of this, and I fell asleep. And it was not (laughs) because it wasn't good; it's because I fall asleep by nine. So, um, and she loved it, and I never saw the rest of it. So I'm actually I remember being transfixed by what I saw. So I'm really really excited about this. Wow! So next week we will be watching uh, 2007's uh, Persepolis. Uh, Barrett, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for listening. We will see you next week in the video store.